the Torah portion and a couple, couple of concepts on the Haftorah portion. And the temptation, in, in, when I was uh, praying about doing this, to go about 12 hours just kills me because there's so much wonderful stuff. So we might do a little compromise and in a couple of weeks do a one or two, two part or three. We'll see. Well, let's, let's go to the Haftorah portion first. Okay, Jeremiah. Turn, turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah. What's he called? The what? The weeping prophet. Did you know, you probably don't, but and that's a part of the temptation. There's a real parallel in Yeshua and Jeremiah. Now, uh, I will, in the next couple of weeks, next week is Shavuot celebration. In a couple of weeks, I'll, I'll bring some of that. Uh, it's not one or two or three things. It's like 30 different things line up in parallel. And in, in so many ways, he was a picture of the... What was happening was the heart of Yeshua was being expressed through him. And, and you'll see that. He, he, why is he called the weeping prophet? Because he weeps over the city of Jerusalem, just like Yeshua. And there are many more. Well, let's only for a minute. There, we can't do the in-depth thing on anything here. Uh, but who is Jeremiah? Anyhow, and is he like anybody else we know? Jeremiah chapter 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priest. That gives you a clue of his family line right there. Okay, he's living in the land of Benjamin. To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, and then it listed the other kings. He was a prophet during the reign of several kings. Uh, some of them not so good. Some of them really bad. Verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Now, Jeremiah is writing this. By the way, Jeremiah had... Uh, an admin assistant, a secretary, who recorded all kinds of stuff. And it talks about him a little bit. A few years ago, they found a scroll. They found a, a part of what Jeremiah had written with the seal of his secretary in Israel. Okay? Verifying the, the date, the authenticity of this book. I mean, that, that's, again, we keep finding stuff like that, that here you, and we go there, and that's why you should go there this next year, because we stand in the city of David where they found this. And our guide reads the story in the Bible of the players, and then says, on this date, three years ago, or four years ago, whatever it is, they found that scroll with his stamp right there. So that authenticates this. It was exact. And there's a lot of that stuff. So... You know, we, we used to be told, oh, you have to take everything by faith. No, you don't. God is giving us all the proof, all the evidence, all the facts. Well, anyway, Jeremiah, would you have picked him? The word of the Lord came to me, so he's giving his testimony, saying, now, God is speaking. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Okay, a little theology here. Before I formed you in the womb. I knew you. How does that fit with abortion? This little point. God had a plan for Jeremiah before he was, before conception. God knew about him and had a plan for him. What does that say about abortion? Just a thought here. With all this nonsense, 
that you hear about, well, when does life really begin? Well, it's this, this, that, uh, I'm not going to mention the name, but it's, it's the, these people who are not of the same sex as I am have their show on TV, and they're, it's controversial, okay? And it's about stuff like this, all this, all this liberal stuff. And, and the, on live TV, they kind of caught her because she referred to a fetus as a baby. And then she was corrected. And then she stumbled, well, it's a, it's a this, it's a fetus. And then she says, well, whatever that is, I'm going, give me a break, liberal theology. That's a person. Anyway, it was caught on live TV right here. That, that's a person. That God knew, God knew you. Okay, put yourself on this. He had a plan for you before you were conceived. Why? How, how do we, God plans ahead. Now, that's about, that's kind of what, what the Torah portion is about and Jeremiah is about. Is you should too. God plans ahead and you should too. And if you don't, you get in big trouble. That's my sermon in a nutshell. So, so don't get in big trouble. Before I formed you, in the womb I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. He was set apart before birth. Just like John the Baptist, by the way. That's not, you know, he's not the only one. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. He was ordained before he was born. Yeah, God plans ahead. And God has a plan for you. And my prayer is that you will not hinder his plan. That you'll, you'll connect to it. And you, the day you die, you're, you, his plan is done. It's my prayer for you. It's terrible when you're on your deathbed and saying, if I only had followed the Lord. Yeah, all right. Nothing you can do then, right? Okay, now he heard that from God. I've call, I planned for you a long time ago, Jeremiah. Then he said, then I said, oh, Lord God, you're making a really big mistake here. Again. I, I mean... How can this be? You know, the God who knows everything, who plans ahead. Lord, God, how can this be? Well, here's what you don't know. I can't speak. How many times do we hear that about prophets? They have a trouble with, with the articulation. Moses is like, that's the point. God does miracles. He uses people that the world wouldn't use. The, the, the real statesman, the, the train. No, he uses Galilean fishermen to change the world. Yeah. Anyway, by the way, let me ask you this. If I say to you, don't take this personal, are you going to take it personal? Yeah, okay, just want to get that clear. Don't take this personal. <clears throat> but do, do, and don't answer this, okay? Do we have any crybabies in this room? Yeah, don't, don't raise your hand, stop it, okay. <laughs> I saw who they were, oh no. Do we have any, any crybabies in this room? I think maybe 90%, and I'm going to show you the verse in a little bit, okay? Hang on. But don't name names, okay? It's, it's not... You'll see what I mean. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> okay, he says, I can't speak, for I am a youth. Okay, the wording here. I'm, I'm a youth. What is, what is he saying? Okay, here's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, excuse me, Lord, but this might have slipped past you. I know you're really busy up there with the universe and stuff like that, but, you know, uh, I, I just... Got into puberty, okay? I have pimples. I'm a gangling adolescent. My voice is changing. And you're picking me to be to go talk to the king? Yep. Yep, you're the one. Just want to make sure. I mean, think about it. That's the word. Someone who has just reached puberty. Think about that. 
You know, <laughs> that's how God works. We don't use those people. You're not ready yet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, God planned ahead. What, did Jeremiah walk down during the singing of Just As I Am to candlelight and say, Lord, I give you all the... No, he didn't do that. He was ambushed. God has plans for you in spite of your plans. And sometimes he's going to do them no matter what you do. They're going to get done. It's easier to go with his flow than to, than to have him drag you around kicking and screaming, as some theologians have expressed. They said, I didn't want to do this. I was drugged here, kicking and screaming and protesting, but it was God's will. And so I finally said, okay, I'll do it. Okay, be like, well, anyway, I was going to say be like him, but maybe not. Let's see what he does. The Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth. Anybody hear, hear that? God is saying, if I called you, don't say I didn't. Don't make any excuses on why you can't do this. If I called you, I called you. Better than that, he's, he's ordained Jeremiah. He says, you know, I think what God is saying here is that you're saying I'm a liar. You're saying I don't know what I'm doing. I just told you what I did. Don't, don't say that you're a youth. You're a prophet. It'd be a great movie, huh? Okay, Lord, so I guess I'll do it. What, what do you want? What do you want me to do? I want you to go to all to whom I send you. Okay? And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Okay? Do not be afraid of their faces. <laughs> their fa- I think that's funny. Be afraid of their faces. Why? Because they're going to be mad. Because it's not a good message that they're going to like. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. Just like Isaiah. Remember that? Isaiah had the same excuses, too. What would it be like without Isaiah and Jeremiah? The two crybabies. I can't do it. I'm too young. I have a problem with my mouth. You know, I, I, I cuss. Get over it. Fix it. Don't do it anymore. Stop. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. We'll just get one of these days. Stop. Just stop it. That's the Torah portion, actually. It does say that. I'll show you later. Behold, I put my, my word. God says, I put my words in your mouth. This isn't your idea. It's my idea. My words are in your Same with Moses, okay? See, I have this day set you over the nations, this gangling adolescent, over the kingdoms. Oh, wow, this might be kind of fun. Okay, what am I going to do? You're going to root out and pull down. To destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. You know, that might not be fun. That might not be fun. Uh, do you have any other plans, Lord, that maybe we can talk about? I don't think I like this one. And, okay, a couple of more verses. Moreover, the word, 11. The word Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he said, I see a, a, a branch of, a, of, a, of an almond tree. The Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I, this is God saying, I am ready to perform my word. You need to put that on your fridge. You may not be ready. God is ready to do what he said he would do. He says, I am ready. And I'm, he's the one who does the performing of his word. And as you take a look at the rest of this, this calling, um, uh, it gets pretty amazing. But the bottom line goes like this. Later on, Jeremiah says, Lord, 
you know, I thought this over, and I really think he made a mistake. He got the wrong guy, and I resigned. <laughs> just like Ezekiel and just like Isaiah, okay? And God does not take resignations because, as Paul said, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Sorry about that. You raised your hand and prayed the prayer. Too bad, you're in. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you're stuck here. Might as well enjoy the ride. Well, it's like, God says, no, I, I, I'm putting my word in your mouth. Now, Jeremiah might have thought this. Lord, wouldn't it be easier if you just talked to him? And why don't you just show up? I have an idea. Why don't you go to the king and appear in a burning bush like, like to Moses, but they appear to the king? No, because uh, the way I do things is convincing to other people it's a miracle. Because nobody's going to look They're going to look at you and laugh, buddy. This gangling, pimple-faced adolescent, voice-changing prophet. Ha! I'm sending you. That's how, those are the people who change the world. Those are the ones that go to the jungles of Africa and the Amazon Valley. And it, they, they go. And they say the words and the people hear the words and the people come to faith in the Lord and they become pastors. That's how it works. The Great Commission. Okay, well, um, okay, the Lord gave me his, his word, says Jeremiah. But you know what? They're going to hate me because they're not going to like what I say to them. Hmm. Ever felt that way? They're not, they're not going to like my message. What's his message? Was there anything new in his message? Any new revelation? You see, a prophet has new revelation, right? This is new, new prophecies of dates and times. New, new, what's the new revelation? Uh, no, um, you're going to remind them of what I said. That's today's Torah portion. I said, I meant what I said. You remind them what I said. I meant what I said. And what I said is going to happen, just like I said it. You're going to go remind them. You know, that over and over again, I forgot the numbers, but it's a lot. It says, remember and forget not. Remember, forget not. This is the example, remember and forget not. When they forgot... They went into seven years of captivity. <laughs> Isn't it funny how, how that number was arrived at? All right, we'll, we'll, we'll go there in a minute. Well, anyhow, uh, here you have Jeremiah, this young guy, going before several kings with a really unpopular message. Uh, it's like John the Baptist. Excuse me, sir, but uh, God said, you have sinned. You're the leader, and you have led the people astray. And uh, you know what one of the biggest sins was? I'm going to dig a little hole today and get in it. It might be up to about here, which means in about three weeks I'll have to teach a couple of lessons. But here we are, okay? Well, first of all, king, you don't keep the Shabbat. What did God say? Well, you know, the principle of the Shabbat is good and we should have some time. Excuse me. Read what Moses wrote here. God didn't say there's a principle of a Shabbat. When Susan and I lived in Israel, by the way, it was one of the best years of my life. It was the poorest I've ever been in my life, but it was one of the best. We had these pastors who were, you know, PhDs and all the, had these large churches come and stay with us. <laughs> it was kind of fun to, you, you, you kind of wake up. You realize, oh, they're not Messianic. Okay. And they start, they're there for two, or three, or four weeks. And they, I remember one guy. He said, you know, I think that concept of a Shabbat is a good thing. The concept of a Shabbat. He said, yeah, the concept. He says, you know, you should take a day off every now and then. 
Yeah. When I said, well, uh, God, when he gave us that, didn't give us a concept, he named the day. He said, this is the day, and this is how often you will do it. He didn't say if you want to do it. He said, he said, this is today's Torah portion. I'll get there in a minute. He said, you will do this. But that's legalism. Because I want to do what I want. And I don't want to take one day off in seven. By the way, the guy has, the guy has made, don't send him this tape, okay? The guy has major health problems because he, he's a workaholic. He needs to take some time off. And so I say, no, I, you know, when we look at the holidays. Oh, yeah, the concept of these holidays is really a nice concept. He gave the date for each one. And the first one is Shabbat. One, he gave us the day. It's the day. That's the day. And it gets better, like you'll see in our Torah portion today. He had a hard time with that. Really hard time with that. Because you, we're going back to legalism. Doing what God, following God's instructions is not legalism. Please understand that. Where legalism comes in, and I'm not going to go to this one. Uh, I looked it up yesterday. In Yeshua's time, the Pharisees, you see, you asked a question when I say that. So clear. That was clear, right? That was clear. Good. Okay. He gave us the day. Okay. It said, don't do your regular work on Shabbat. On, on that day. Do not do that. Okay. Uh, Rabbi, can you define work for me? See, that's when we want to... And usually the people ask a question want to get out of doing something. Uh, I want to I be able to do this. If you tell me this is not work, that's what they want to hear. They want to do something except rest. God, do you understand what a gift Shabbat is? That's my future sermon. We're not going there today. But God gave us a gift. It's, it's you will rest. That, that's not the American mindset. You're right, it's not. You want to live longer? You want to enjoy your family more? Rest. Now, what's nice is, in Israel, everybody does it at once. When I get to these other, other holidays, which no one ever talks about, which we will today briefly, you realize what a wonderful gift God has given to us. How much he loves our families. And he wants us to be with them. Because he tells us the amount of time to spend with them. <laughs> People just don't want to do that. They want to go out and work. Yeah, well, we'll make more money. I'll show you the verse that tells you you won't. I'm not legalistic. Trust me. Hang around. You, you, you'll see. But being legalistic, here's my, here's my, my, my definition. And what I was reading this week, in Yeshua's time, they would ask the rabbis, oh, okay, uh, so define work, rabbi. The Pharisees, who Yeshua dealt with, okay, the, the Sadducees, there was not one believing Sadducee in Scripture. Lots of believing Pharisees, though. But, okay, the Pharisees had some uh, definitions of work. The prohibitions of what you could not do on Shabbat were 1,553. I have trouble with the Ten Commandments myself, okay? Uh, but 1,553 prohibitions. Who do they think they are anyway? Now think about it. You couldn't memorize that. That's why you got to live by the synagogue. Rabbi, it's me again. Is this where, you know? God, that is not the heart of God. God said, go rest. Don't open your shop. Don't plow the field. Rest. Sleep in. Take a nap. Go for a walk. What I liked in Israel was on, on Shabbat, the whole country, nobody gets an advantage in, your, in their business. They're all closed at the same time. Nobody gets the edge. They say, well, if I work one more day, then I'll... No. And what do they do? In the Tanya, we were up there. 
And, and the, the first thing that hit us, being Americans uh, from here, was the men were pushing the strollers, not the women. Men were with babies. They were with families all day long, doing family things. It's like, oh, walking on the beach. <laughs> I, always, I, I want to do that. That's nice. Well, but, but I really have to go over to the shop. No, it's not open. You can't do that. But I'm going to take the bus. I, I can't do that. Now, things are unfortunately changing some in Israel for, for some. But uh, 20 years ago, it wasn't like that. But when you saw it working as a, as, a, as a country, as a community, it was like, this is really kind of fun. Okay? Because what, what do I do today? Anything that's enjoyable, I can do. Just don't work. Yeah. You know what? what uh, this, is, this shows you legalism right here. In Jerusalem. Okay, first of all, the, the most orthodox rabbi in the entire universe is the chief rabbi of Jerusalem. Okay, he's the, the most orthodox person ever. Here's the big issue. Okay, we don't go to work, but is it lawful to play soccer on Shabbat? What do you think the answer is? Oh, mixed crib. How Jewish. Oh, <clears throat> <laughs> What did you just say, ma'am? Yeah, yeah. What did you just say? Oh, I thought you said we're not getting an A for it. I just was given this book, How to Get F's on Your Exams. Thank you so much. But I already know how to do that, okay? <laughs> I love you. That was good. Uh, the answer was yes. Because it's recreation, and recreation is allowed on Shabbat. The issue was paying for your ticket <laughs> to get in. So they didn't charge you any money to get in. That was cool, I thought. But you can play soccer on Shabbat. That, that was like, okay, they're not working. It's recreation. Recreation is a good thing. Okay, so. And getting them for free is good, too. Anyhow, uh, so w- when you see it at work, you, and the people that stay with us started really liking it. They go, this is really not a bad thing. He said, no, it's not a bad thing. But just don't tell me I have to do it. I won't. But if you read this, though, it says, God says you really. He kind of said that. Well, anyway. Let's do one more thing with Jeremiah. Then we'll do the world's fastest race through the Torah portion. There's about three verses I want you to see. Turn to Jeremiah 5.14. See, Jeremiah, he wants to get out of his job. They kill prophets, by the way. Did, did you know that? So, the, um, In fact, almost all of our prophets were killed. Like Isaiah, they sought him. Into, there's, Fox's a Book of Martyrs has all that stuff. Okay, so what's in the heart of he's called... But this is a good lesson on, on how do you know you're called to, to something. If, okay, the Lord's called me to be your leader. I hate this place. And I hate you people. And I, and when the phone rings, I just dread it's one of you. And when we have this, when you invite me over for dinner, you have all this green stuff. And, and you know what I like and don't like. And there are people, there are leaders who talk like that. I hate my congregation. These are the world's... Yeah, me. Go away then. Okay? Uh, or this one. I'm, I'm so fearful and afraid that if I say, Lord, I'll give you all my heart, that you're going you're gonna to send, send me to Brazil. The people who go to Brazil, they want to go to Brazil. Okay? God does the work in here of putting it on your heart to the place he sends you. So we just are hearing some of Jeremiah's 
objections. And the thing about getting killed is a, is a biggie. But when, he's, when he begins to move in his calling, look what happens inside of him. Uh, Jeremiah 5:14. This is lengthy, but we'll just, just like the first part. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, because you speak, this is good, because you speak his word, Oh, this word. Okay, yeah, this word. Okay, sorry. Because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire. And this people would. And it will devour them. And, and he goes on to explain this. But the, the rabbis look at this and they say, what's he saying? The fire that burnt within Jeremiah the prophet. He, he had to speak the word of God. He was compelled. It's this burning desire within me. I have to proclaim God's word. That's the call of a missionary right there. Okay, they don't, they don't have a plan B. Whatever objection you have, that doesn't matter. You're not going to make any money. They're not in for the money anyway. Okay? They have this burn. Okay, if you have a burning desire, it just might be from God. It gets better. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. Jeremiah is one of the coolest guys in all of history. Jeremiah 20. Oops, one page. Okay, Jeremiah 20, verse 9. <clears throat> then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more of his name. But, <laughs> here we go again. But, see, he was mad. He says, every time I speak God's word, I, I get, they beat me up. They put me in jail. They do all this. I'm, not, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm not doing this anymore. <clears throat> then I said, I will not mention his, uh, uh, make mention of him, nor speak any more of his name. But his word was in my heart. <laughs> okay. Like a burning fire. There we go again. Shut up in my bones. And I was weary of holding it back. And I could not say, <laughs> say for I have heard many mocking, few on every side. Report, they say, we will report, we will report it. And so on and so forth. He goes on to say, you know, it, it, got, it got worse and worse and hotter and hotter. And I got so tired of that, I had to give it up. Um, I'm, here's a little bit about me. Okay? I have to teach. Seriously, if I don't, I go wacko. I go nuts. On vac- I'm sorry, is on tape? On vacation. Don't tell Susan. She knows. On the houseboat, on the lake, I have piles of books. <laughs> I'm studying, okay, and I'm writing notes. And I, I have to teach. The preparation is half the fun because I'm getting taught by the Holy Spirit. And the, the thing was, I can't wait to tell you what I've learned. Okay, that's the calling of God. When you have a calling of God in your life, that's how it's going to be. It's like, I have to do this. And young people, you... Look to who's going to be your, your partner for life, your partner in ministry for life. They better feel the same way. Because I've seen that, and you go, oh, no. Or this, the young woman has this burning heart to go to Mexico. And Lord, I love the Mexican people. I just can't. I just can't. And he says, oh, no, we're going to work at, uh, at the, you know, you have to be, be the man, have the same burning desire. And so one of the first things is, what is that burning desire in your heart? Okay, if you could make it happen, what would it be? And that, that's the match. Okay, and uh, 
Uh, okay, here's an example of one that wasn't quite right. The uh, woman, they were married, was called to go to Mexico as a missionary. But the husband was not. He was, he's a ministry, but he's going to be a teacher, uh, teaching the scripture, all right? A, a traveling teacher. We kind of call those missionaries too, don't we? So she was, had this burning de- desire so strong to go to Mexico that she divorced him and went to Mexico. Well, interesting thing is what happens is he was just a little slow. The Lord did put that burning desire in his heart. And he went to Mexico. Now with her, she just needed to have some patience. Let the Lord do the, his work in this guy's heart. They would have been on the same page. So watch that one too. Sometimes, women, you might hear first. Hang on. Keep praying. It'll match up in the right timing. In the right timing. So, again, to the youth, um, a common calling is really important because God calls teams into ministry, a man and a woman together into ministry. And to be all you can be, you've got to have that right person to be with you. All right, so let's go back to the Torah portion real quick for about five minutes. Leviticus 25. So Levi has a book named after him, huh? Leviticus. If I was to ask you, let me get my notes somewhere here. If I was to ask you what, okay, what would you say the theme, the topic of the book of, of, of Leviticus is? What's the topic? Well, some, what would you say? All the laws, okay. I was going to say, some people will say the laws is the theme of the book of, of, of Leviticus. And, and depending on the tone of voice, how you say it, it's like, uh uh-huh, this never-ending list of the things we can't do, okay? Did you know, you're about to learn this, did you know that in Yeshua's time, at the synagogue, when the little kids went for instruction, the very first Biblical book they were taught is Leviticus, not Genesis. Why? And it's not because it's full of laws. It's a book of worship. Levi, Leviticus, the Levites, they were the worship leaders. Okay, you have the patterns of worship in the book of Leviticus. What do you have in Leviticus? You have the holidays. You have the calendar is there. The calendar is God's prophetic expression of his heart that reveals Yeshua but the calendar is fun. Remember we talked about Shabbat? That was only one. There's a ton of Shabbats. That's why we, when these people came to stay with us, they came um, just before Yom Kippur. Now think about all the holidays in the next month, in, in the fall. It's like, well, we can't go anywhere today because there's a Shabbat. What do you mean it's a Shabbat? Oh, yeah, we, we have two and this one. We have two and this one. And they start. It's like, these people are always sitting around, sitting around just, uh, what are they doing? Well, they're reading the Bible. Yeah, what else? They're praying. Yeah, they're, they're singing. Yeah, they're eating. Yeah. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Nothing. It's not like it's pretty good to me. And you will rejoice for seven continuous days. <clears throat> God is so legalistic. At the end of their stay, they kind of like that. They said, you know, there's something to this. Yep. It's his, it's his idea. His idea. So, Leviticus. Now, we were in the reading this morning in chapter 25. Let me just point out a couple of things and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up. We've already mentioned, and of course now I'm obligated to do a, a teaching on Shabbat in two or three or four weeks or whatever. And I will, because it's, it's a lot of fun. <clears throat> um, God's, you already knew that God gave us the Shabbat as a gift, right? 
Don't do any regular work. But then he says in this chapter, he says, by the way, the land will have a Shabbat. The land will have a Shabbat. The land? What do you mean the land will do, do no work? Well, turn to uh, where's my uh, verse 2, 25 verse 2. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you, when you come into this land, which I gave you, which I give you, then you shall keep, then you shall keep a Sabbath of the Lord. Look at this. Six years you will sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather fruit. But in the seventh year there will be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land. For the land. You will not sow nor reap and so on. The land is to get a rest. Hmm. Interesting. You know, it's the, it, later on in this chapter, God says, by the way, the land is mine. It's one of those many verses where God says it's his land, and it, and it will rest. Did they do that? Did they take their sabbatical year? Why were they in captivity for 70 years? Do you do the math? Do you, do you know that that's what they owed God for what they didn't do? God, okay, God said this is going to happen. And it's kind of like whether you like it or not. And if you don't do it voluntarily... I'm going to make it happen. If you want to spend all those white and row in some other country, we'll do that, but the land's going to rest. And I will make it happen. This isn't up to us. God does this, whether we like it or not. You know, there's a, there's a longer teaching on that here, but it was like, it's, it's more fun if we do it on our own than him enforcing it. But the enforcing it isn't so much punishment, the word is used, but it's more of a nudge to do what he said. And if you don't do it on your own, I'll nudge you. And the... The Babylonian captivity was a hard nudge. But you know what? We've said it many times. They never went back to idols again. It cured them. That, that should do it. That should do it. Well, okay, now, so as we read ahead, if I was re- re- reading ahead, and I'll take five more minutes, and that's it. Um, maybe, okay, I'm explaining. Uh, Moses and Aaron came out from the mountain and explaining. We have some really good news. Okay, God's giving us a calendar, it's His calendar. It, it, it's the appointed times. He's going to meet with us on these dates. And here's, here's what we get, get to do. For the first one is Shabbat. We get a day off every week. Every week we get a day off. It's the same day. Nobody goes to work that day. Well, what do we do? Anything you want, except you can't, you can't work. Oh, really? Uh, wow, that is so neat. Side note. In ancient writings of the Romans... The historians refer to the weirdness of Israel. They said, you won't believe it. In this country, you go there, they, nobody, on, on the seventh day, nobody works. Nobody goes to work. Who's heard of such a thing? He said, and they have this magnificent temple, and there's not one statue there. And the unbelievable thing is they only worship one God. Unbelievable. He went down the list of what Leviticus is all about, and they were doing it. And they said, this is the weirdest place in the world. No statues. Days off. Um, they eat funny. All that. Anyway, it's historical uh, um, recorded. Okay, so good, this is good. Okay, good news. We get a day off every week. It gets better. It gets better. Every seventh year, every sixth, after six years, you get a year off work. Did you hear me say plan ahead earlier? You got to plan ahead for this. They planned ahead. Now think about it. If we did this, we work six years, 
And then the next year, everybody's off for a year. Nobody's open. Got to plan ahead. But nobody's getting an advantage. Wait a minute, Mom and Dad. We get a year off. Where are we going on vacation for the year? Huh? Uh-huh. You mean to me the school's closed for a year? Uh-huh. So if you put it in today's society, this is really good news. You get a year off. A year off. I'm going to... The crybaby thing, I have a verse for in about a minute. Because we people who object to what God said. And I have even better news. Okay? If you do seven of those sabbatical years, okay, you get another year off. And when you do it that way, you get two years off in a row. 49, year 49 and 50. You get two years off work. Once in your lifetime, you get two years in a row off work. Where are we going on that vacation? So in a normal lifespan, you got to experience this. I have better news. In that 50th year, all of your debts are forgiven. Does God have a good idea or what? Now, come on, think about this. I mean, this is really amazing. When you look at his calendar, his schedule, he wants us to enjoy life, spend time with family. But you've got to plan ahead. You've got to plan ahead for those two years. Let me see if I can find that verse for the crybabies here real quick, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up. I can find my crybaby verse. You'll like it. Oh, here we go. Oh, okay, here it is. So, uh, verse 18 in chapter 25. So, you shall, by the way, this, this isn't you're invited to, you shall observe my statutes and keep my judgments and perform them. God says you will do this. If that's legalism, that's what he said, okay? You will have fun two years in a row and don't go to work because nobody's there, Okay? And you will and you will dwell in the land in safety. Then the land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill and dwell there in safety. But if you say you cry babies, see this isn't that's this is the other congregations. Okay. What shall we eat in the seventh year? We didn't plant anything, we didn't sell anything. What are we what are we gonna eat? What's wrong with that statement right there? What's wrong with it? If you get this one, you get the whole message. What's wrong with that statement? They aren't trusting God in His Word. God said to do it. If He said to do it, it's up to them to, to provide it. And that's the next verse. And this verse, I hope, speaks to you in a lot of ways. Verse 21. God said, I will command... Listen to this. And then we're going to end the service. I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year. And it will bring forth produce enough for three years. You thought I was going to say one year, didn't you? No, he said, I'll come around in the blessing for three. He overdoes the blessing. Just like him, isn't it? That's how much he loves you. I'll provide again for three, for three years. Then he reminds them, verse 23, the land is mine. <laughs> okay. You are strangers and sojourners in it. But look what he said, with me. I'm here with you. We're together. So that verse, then, verse 21, then it will command my I will command, when God commands something, I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year. It shall bring forth produce in there for the three years. The answer to that, to the crybabies, are, well, if we follow God's instructions and don't do that, we're not planning anything, we're not going to have anything. God said, I, I will command blessing to be upon you. You ever seen that verse? What if we pray right now and ask God, in his infinite wisdom and power, to command blessing 
to be upon you. I think I'd like to do that. He, he did it. All the time. He says, when you come to that seventh year, it's okay. I've got it under, under control. I'm going to command blessing. In that 49th year where you go two years, he says, I've got it under control. I'm going to command blessing. Because it's my land. It's my land. And it's my produce. I'm going to bless you. If you do what I say. See, it was the if. If you do what I say. In the rest of the book of, of, of Leviticus, and then it's reiterated in, in Deuteronomy, it's the blessings you get when you obey. And the consequences you get when you don't. Your choice. Your choice. It still just kills me for people to think, this is so horrible, you're going back to the law and legalism when you don't go to work for a year. Plan ahead and have a blast with your family traveling, okay? Let's all stand. Thank <clears throat> you.